You're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Laura Zarrow. Daddies are people, people with children. Welcome back to Women at Work in our second half hour of our special Father's Day show. Um, We're talking today about the relationship between helping women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace and how fathers need to join, stay, succeed, and lead at home, and how together we can change the environment to make that possible. If you'd like to join in the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Give us a call at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And tell us about the dad in your world who's putting family first. That's 1-844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I have to tell you, I'm particularly honored to welcome our next guest, Josh Labs. Josh was named a global champion of gender equality by UN Women. He is a father, a husband, a journalist who has received some of the highest honors in his field and become an expert on issues facing modern families. A fellow product of the free to be you and me generation, he is the author of All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families and Businesses and How We Can Fix It Together. Josh is changing about how how we think about modern fatherhood and we are delighted to welcome him here to Women at Work. So Josh, welcome. Wow, thank you so much. And you know what? I love that you're leading into this with Free to Be You and Me. I talk about that album in my speeches. I wrote about it in the book. I read about it, and it touched the special place in me. I think it was the first album I played for my daughter, I have to confess. Oh, yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, I mean, your listeners probably know, but it's, yes. it's, you know, it's all about gender equality. That we grow up, and boys grow up to become daddies, girls grow up to become mommies. We can all change the diapers. We can all work. We can all, that is the belief that we had. But then we got to the workplace and discovered that it never grew up. It's still stuck in the Mad Men era. It totally confounded me when I got there because I thought that was going to be the world. Yeah. Look, we, I mean, it's it's like growing up in a bubble. You know, the girls I knew growing up were just as smart, just as capable and driven. Mm -hmm. I went to Yale, which is a great college. I'm surrounded by these brilliant women. Gender equality just seemed obvious. Of course we were going to take the world by storm and go off into the world. And and now here I am in my 40s, and less than 5% of the CEOs are women. So what went wrong, this is what went wrong. <laughs> yes. While we grew up on Free to Be You and Me, the modern workplace factually was designed in the Mad Men era. That's not, you know, this sort of like well, pop culture reference. It, no, it it's a very real thing. In the 50s. Yes. And as yeah. a result, the cultural norms that were part of the 50s extended into this culture and didn't change the way that our expectations did. I know. And so what we have are so many ways in which there's this incredible dichotomy. People don't realize the egalitarianism that we have achieved in the American home because we still have all these old stereotypes of what dads are like and what moms are like. And because at work, that reality doesn't apply. So what we need to do is update our work culture to meet up with the new reality of today's dads and moms. So, Josh, I think we should take a minute to talk about how, what was the moment of intersection where you realized that your reality at home was not the reality in the workplace? Right. So, you know, it's interesting for me because I started off, I was a fact checker at CNN. I was this reality check guy on the air doing all the fact checking. And at first I was fact checking politicians who, as you know, love to lie. And, and then I turned that lens when I became a dad. I turned that lens on parenthood. And when I started reporting truths about dads, we got these 
so many responses, and it, it blew people away. And, and so I realized that there was a need for that. And so I started reporting on that. But then there was a big switcheroo when I became the dad in the news because of a policy that I faced. And, and that was um, it's just very strange. We already had two sons. My wife was pregnant with our daughter, our third kid. We realized that I would be needed at home after the birth for caregiving, which is totally normal. Yes. <laughs> unusual. It shouldn't be but, something you have to explain or defend. Exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, so many policies in America are not have not caught up with that. So the policy that I was under at CNN was so strange. It, it effectively meant that anyone could get 10 paid weeks to care for their new child, except a dad who got his own wife pregnant. So if I if I put up my daughter for adoption, some guy I worked with adopted her, he could get 10 paid weeks. But for, you couldn't the as the father. But I couldn't. And so I'd gone to the company totally in secret. And I said, look, this has got to be an oversight. <laughs> you know, you didn't, there's no way you meant to say that this is the one parent that can't get the caregiving leave. But they wouldn't give me an answer. And months went by, no answer. And then my daughter was born prematurely in an emergency. Um, still no answer. Eleven days later, I'm home holding my four-pound preemie, caring for my sick wife and my two boys. And that's when work said no. You're kidding me. Just said that's no, right? Yes, yeah, they said no. They said, they said oh, we're unable to give you this, which is obviously false. I mean, they were able to. Um, a dad like me could only get two weeks instead of ten. So... I uh, I took legal action, and when we announced the legal action, it was as though I had unleashed the floodgates of love. It was crazy. All of these men's groups and women's groups, mom blogs and dad blogs, conservatives and liberals, business leaders across the spectrum were weighing in with their support. And so as a journalist, I became fascinated. What is it about my family's story and my legal action that is interesting to so many people, and that's when I came to understand that we are all in this together. Everyone who recognizes this problem, which is the vast majority of us, we're all struggling because we're all stuck in these 1950s rules for new millennium families. Absolutely. And well, to go back to Freedom Be You and Me, that was a cultural catalyst, especially for kids. But as we talk about advancing women in the workplace, we recognize that um, it's not a simple problem. Um, it has these components that are cultural, political, uh, policy-driven, financially-driven, tactical. Uh, it sounds, and in your book, you explain this um, beautifully and in great detail. But can you give us kind of, um, if you can contract it, what are those components that are facing dads at work? How much of it is policy? How much of it is culture? How much of it is money? Yeah, that's a great question, and I followed the money for this. I literally followed the dollars to see how this is going on. So, so the problems that we have boil down to three categories, laws, policies, and stigmas. And when we take a look at all of them and understand that they all come from the exact same sexism, suddenly it all actually is very simple. So, for example, lots of people complain about the fact that we are the only nation with a developed economy. We're almost the only nation that has no paid maternity leave in the world. Right. But when you start to understand that this is all about sexism, all of a sudden it makes sense. Of course we have no paid maternity leave. She's a woman. Who needs her money? The man is supposed to make the money. So when you come out and see that that's what the problem is, it becomes much simpler. So the laws are backward because of that sexism. The policies are backwards because of that sexism. All these different ways in which uh, women are pushed to stay home. When a man doesn't have the option of leave, when a man doesn't have the option of flexibility, women end up being the ones to stay home, even if that's not the choice that family would make. And worst of all, worst of all are the stigmas. 
right. guys in my book who took time off for caregiving, and when they came back to work, they were fired or demoted or lost job opportunities because they broke from this macho norm. There's this one guy whose boss told him women are supposed to care for babies unless they're in a coma or dead. Oh, you're kidding. Right. Yeah, these, like, these how can somebody say that? But this is yeah. real. So, Josh, one yeah. of the things I noticed when you wrote about what happened at CNN and why you left, and even as you described it here, you know, you um, already had children, your wife was pregnant, um, there was an emergency, and you were required to be there as a caregiver. Yeah. Even if this was your first child, or if everything was going beautifully, I'd also argue that as a father, you have a right and emotional imperative to be home at a time like that. Oh, yeah. And, I agree. Yeah, no, you're totally right. Dads don't need a special reason to be home. Uh, right. Dads, and so, yeah. what, and I know that this is an important part of who you are and the work you do. So why yeah. isn't that part of how you articulate it? Mm, oh, that's a, no, that's a great question. So when I talk about the drama um, just of my situation, I actually, there's a lot that I don't get go into about like why it was like especially exigent and all this. It really was before, before the early delivery, before the premature thing. It was simply that I was going to be at home for caregiving, just like any dad might be. Right, because why wouldn't you? Right, exactly, and it should just be the norm. It, you know, in fact, I'm always wary. So, I'm, you're the first person to ask that. I'm so glad you picked up on that. I'm always wary of of like taking it out of context and letting people believe that it all started when my wife had to give birth at 35 weeks as a preeclampsia and all that, because that's not when it started. It simply started while she was pregnant. I was going to be needed at home for caregiving. And, you know, I hadn't taken the company to task previously because it was just my feeling that I didn't have the same legal standing. I, I could have, but it was my feeling that I didn't have the same legal standing because it would have been tougher to argue that I was as needed. But because of various things in our family, I recognize, look, I'm needed now. I know I have a strong legal right. case if I have to go to court. So and, that's the only reason it became relevant. And also in an environment where that stigma is so strong, um, it's compelling to say, I have to be the caregiver. Um, yeah. One of the things we talked about with Allison Downey, and if I don't know if you know better book, she wrote a fabulous book on planning for pregnancy and career and talking about yeah. the role of both parents. And yeah. um, that we almost, we don't want to say out loud that there are emotional components to parenthood that should be honored and make room for them. And that wow. they're part of what help us grow as real people. Like, I've had women on this show, and we, I talk openly. Like, I never fell in love like I did at the moment that I saw my daughter. And it's mm. a profound reshaping of your family, and the father is part of that. Why, oh, as yeah. a society, we don't want to talk about that. Right. No, and, and you know, this actually speaks to very serious problems at the core of our culture, these backward and dangerous visions of masculinity. Yes. This, you know, the way that we have devolved into, <laughs> into uh, modern culture in, in the sense that we have come to insist on seeing manliness as having no emotions. You know, I mean, I, I watched some of these old Charlton Heston movies, like Ben Hur, and I see him <laughs> crying, and there was nothing unmanly about it. But but over the decades, we went the other way with this whole idea that men aren't supposed to have emotions. So then you face these suicide rates, and you face men with violence, and men with drugs, and men who try to like they suffer from from mental health issues, and it, it speaks to a part of that backward vision of masculinity that we became allergic to accepting that men go through 
emotions just as much as women do and that that's healthy and that that's a good thing. So you're absolutely right. A big piece of this and a big piece of dropping the stigmas is embracing our own shared humanity. And our own shared tenderness. Speaking of which, that's a core part of being a caregiver. And a big part of what you're advocating for is fathers as caregivers. So, and you talk about it in your book. Um, What are the challenges? How can women, how can the moms help men do this? How can we help you be successful and support you as you step up to take these roles despite the stigmas that you're facing? Yeah, great question. So the first thing is what to do in the workplace. You know, I I go to businesses now. I work with businesses, and a lot of them bring me in because they say to me, you know, we're having all of these events about women's empowerment and work-life balance, and we're having a hard time getting men involved. And I I say, well, that's right, because men are afraid to enter this conversation for numerous reasons. We're trained from birth. Don't talk about these things because you'll probably (laughs) offend someone. And and then when I have these events and workshops that I do, the men open up about their work-life struggles, and the women are shocked. I spoke at at a major federal agency recently. The guy who introduced me talked about how he and his wife both work full-time. He's one of the top executives there. They have a son with um, special health needs, and they've been trying to figure out how to get him to the doctor. And afterwards, women told me they worked with this man for 12 years, and they always assumed he had a wife who stayed at home and everything was perfect. This, is, this happens all the time. So creating environments in which men can also speak about work-life conflict is essential for building the kinds of policies that will ultimately change this. So one big thing women can do is encourage these conversations, listen, and, and say, you know, what about you? Are you facing this kind of thing as a dad? And make them feel comfortable with it. And then another thing to, to, to do is out in the world, whenever we see men, to make sure that they feel comfortable and invited. You know, it's tough to be the one dad at the sing-along. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so those time, every dad who has had the same experience of being at the playground with his kid and the mom stare at him like, you know, is something wrong with him? And and so it makes it tougher to be the caregiver. Absolutely. Dad, being really welcoming. My daughter's father was the only father at Mommy and Me. It's an awkward thing. I'm talking with Josh Levs, who's the author of All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together. If you'd like to join in the conversation, you can reach us at 1-844-WHARTON. That's 1-844-942-7866. And Josh, we have a caller, um, Neil from Phoenix. Thank you for joining us at Women at Work. What's on your mind today? Thanks for taking my call. I had one question or with a follow-up just from a business owner standpoint. I'm just wondering if the guest believes that maternity leave should happen every time that family has a child. Is there a limit to that? I get that the situation he was involved in was sort of handled best. It's like, I don't know, should they get, you guys, these kind of evolutionary, like male-female stigmas where really have you taken the look from the business owner's perspective? And then the, the other question would be, for those businesses that have, you know, five or seven employees, do you really expect the business owner to lose 20% of their workforce for 10 to 12 weeks and what they should do about that then? Josh, you want to yeah. give us no, some insight on that? Yes, I'm glad he went in this direction. <laughs> so here's what you need to know. Everything that I talk about in the book is what's proven to be good for business. I speak to businesses all the time. I speak to chambers of commerce, and I start off telling them, 
my grandfather owned a small business, <laughs> he had a tiny little shop at the edge of his driveway. I would never want businesses to face some kind of rule that would hurt them. So the things that I call for are proven to be helpful for business. Number one, what we need is what's now being created in California and New Jersey and Rhode Island, and it's going to be in New York. That is a publicly structured paid family leave. It works as insurance. Workers pay this tiny little deduction out of their paychecks. When they need paid family leave, they are paid out of that insurance fund. And while they're off, the business doesn't have to pay them one penny. While they're off, the business gets to save that money or use it to pay a temp or use it to pay overtime to existing employees. The figures are in. I'm all about the math on this stuff. I'm a fact checker by background. So you will see that it's helping businesses a lot. Also, small businesses that are choosing to do this are turning profits because of it when they offer their own policies. I have a small business that has 18 employees. They offer three months of paid leave. <laughs> I read about that. Now, I asked them, why would you do this? And they showed me the numbers. It benefits them because what's happening now is many, many workers are dropping out of the workforce when they can't get paid leave. It can cost up to 200% of annual salary to replace an employee. So giving them four weeks or six weeks or two weeks or whatever paid leave keeps them there and saves money. But ultimately, I know that there are some small businesses that can't even afford to give you a paid week. And what I say is, in those cases, the number one thing that workers want is communication. If a boss says to them, look, we understand, we can't give you, you know, weeks and weeks of paid leave, but let's see, what, what can we work out together? Do you, do you need a flexible schedule? Do you want to start off part-time again? How, how can we make something happen? Workers have told me that if, if their company would just say that to them, they would start crying tears of joy because it's enough upheaval to have a baby. You don't want to also have the upheaval of finding a new job, but you will go through it if you can't get any kind of life-work balance. So Neil, I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I, I believe there's always you always you can always work something out, and especially if you have a small business, the communication is the biggest biggest factor, not to just leave the employee in the dark and you know have them guessing and stuff like that. But I think there has to be communication and, and compromise on both ends, especially in a small business. I like the idea of some kind of fund that helps pay for. I think it makes it easier for a business owner to give leave if there's some kind of fund that employee gives to so that we can go hire somebody else or or deal with that when that person wants leave. And I think it's a great benefit to any business if they can work it out structurally and fundamentally in their in their business and make it work for, for both parties. Absolutely. Yeah. Neil, yeah. thank you so much for calling Women at Work. I really appreciate it. And if you'd like to join in the conversation, you can reach us at one eight four four Wharton. That's one eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. And I'm talking with Josh Levs, author of All In, How Our Work First Culture Fails Dads, Families, and Businesses, and How We Can Fix It Together. So Josh, in the book, you were talking about this relationship between male privilege and female gatekeeping um, mm. and and what those cultural components are and how we can change them. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So these are the traps that we can fall into on our own because of the way that we are raised. You know, I mean, and no matter how committed we are to, to making equality happen, we also do have prejudices based on what we saw, you know, what we experienced growing up, even those of us who are listening to Free to Be You and Me. So these are the two to watch out for. Male privilege is thinking, you know what, honey, changing the diapers actually are your thing. You go do that. Um, <laughs> and female gatekeeping is just as bad. Female gatekeeping is what a lot of women do when they say, no, 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 that's not how you change the diaper, honey. Or no, 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 give me the baby. You're going to drop the baby. Guilty as you charged, know? I have to confess. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a struggle for me. And I'm, I'm clearly the free to be you and me gal. But I had to, I wasn't aware that I was doing that. I was always critical thinking, I'm, I'm the mom, I do it better. And this also gets to um, the images that we see of men and women when we're growing up, you know, the pop culture stuff that I, that I also write about in the book. We, it's very important that we see images um, as we're growing up, you know, first of all, in, in person, in actual life, but also in pop culture of men as caregivers, as men, of men as being equally caregiving. I was doing a, uh, an event with Bob Saget, who's an actor, and he was on Full House. And um, I told him that there have been times in my real life when my wife, knew what was going on with the baby because of her real experience having babysat. And my only frame of reference was that it once happened to Michelle Tanner on Full House on some episode <laughs> of that show. Of course, that's because I'm, I'm a boy. Boys didn't babysit for infants, you know, but why not? So, so getting these positive images of men, and, and full disclosure, I'm currently working with this awesome company, Dove Men Plus Care, and we have this great new video celebrating real dads as heroes. But just in general, like positive advertising, positive sh- images of dads in shows and movies, it's so important for all of us to see these things because it needs to seep into our subconscious that men really are equally capable of doing So in the same way that we've talked at length about the importance of women role models and the importance of positive role models in media. Last week had a compelling conversation with Peggy Orenstein about what happens when it's just the opposite. Um, you're making me aware in a new way of the importance of having positive role ma- models of engaged dads as caregivers and what a shortage there is. Yeah, there is. And, you know, it's so interesting what happens um, in societies that have started to tackle this. For example, in, in parts of Northern Europe and Norway, they have these policies now uh, called fatherhood quotas. And in those societies, what happened is um, in most of the world, when paternity leave is available, it goes unused because of stigmas. But in those countries, they created a system where there's a bunch of leave, but it's not up for grabs to either the woman or the man. There was a, a big bunch of leave to women and a big bunch of leave just for men. And that reversed the stigma. The men in those countries looked like idiots if they didn't take it because it was so much paid leave. And what happened as a result is they started staying home, and now the next generation grew up seeing role models Ah. of men actually doing this. So when I was speaking at Oxford, I asked um, this room full of young people, I said, okay, who here babysat for uh, little babies when when you were growing up? And uh, who here babysat at all? And everyone raised their hand. And then I said, who babysat for babies, infants? And it was only the women except one guy, and I looked at him and I said, oh, wow, you babysat for babies? And he said, yeah, well, I'm from Norway. So right there, that tells you what you need to know about role models. When you get better policies and you drop those stigmas, kids do grow up with better role models, and we need that in real life, and we need that in our pop culture. Absolutely. I want to go back for a minute, because you talked about a really important financial lever and a concept that you also talk about in the book here at home, about this issue of leaving money on the table, of having leave and not taking it yeah yeah it's incredible we are leaving as men in this country we are leaving billions of dollars in paid leave on the table why when we're so motivated by money would we do that i know it's incredible because the stigmas because here's what happens so right now only 14 percent of companies have any paid paternity leave at all hopefully when the new figures come out we'll see that it's going up a little bit because of the new phenomenon but that's those are still the latest figures but even with that most of it goes unused. And the reason is summarized by what uh, I have this out in a fortune piece today, um, by what one of the guys in the book said to me. He said it was a PR benefit, not a real benefit. 
people know that you're not actually supposed to take it. And that's when you get into the punishments. There's one guy um, in my book who um, faced this horrible situation. His wife was pregnant, and she tried to commit suicide because she was having mental health issues. He took time off to care for her and the baby. Um, and then when he got back to work, he was um, fired because he, was, he had broken from that macho norm. So, so men know this. You're not supposed to actually take it. It's technically there. And that's why when Mark Zuckerberg, for example, announces that he's taking paternity leave, it is so influential and important because all of this stuff is top down. People will only take as much leave as the boss takes. So it's critical that it's not only the leader of the organization, but we need societal role models to help bust apart the stigma. Because part of what this makes clear to me is that you would think um, money is the ultimate motivator, but you can see that our cultural norms will trump the money. And that's actually the good news for businesses, too, because businesses that offer better work-life balance can pay a man less and win him. I have so many guys in the book who, who took pay cuts right. in order to, to and, and EY has this research that backs it up, that, that shows that men in this country now are even more likely than women to switch jobs or careers or move to another state, even move to another country to have more time with their families. And so to win, to attract and retain great employees, including male employees, you can focus on some of these work-life balance initiatives, supporting flexibility, finding ways to offer leave, and you can pay less in salary. That, that is a sea change that is taking place, men valuing family time over money, and ultimately that can really save businesses money. Yes, and it can also save families and make a whole culture stronger as a result. Josh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today and in the big picture for all the work that you're doing. It's changing everything. Ah, you are so sweet. Thank you. I totally appreciate this. And I promised Harper Collins I would announce that they, for this week as a Father's Day, they're making the ebook version of my book available for only a dollar ninety nine, which I think is incredible. So anybody who's like a Kindle reader or whatever, <laughs> you can go grab it now. <laughs> go grab it, Josh. Thanks so much for joining us on Women at Work. I'd also like to thank Jeffrey Tobias Halter um, and my dad, who taught me how to negotiate my way, and my stepdad, who helped me believe that I could. Thanks as always to Patty Hall and Dan Baker and our guest producer this week, Dana Cash. Next week, we'll be talking with Jean Chatsky, the Today Show's financial editor, who's launched a new project dedicating to educating women about their finances. You can check out our schedule of replays on the SiriusXM website, www.siriusxm.com. Thanks so much for listening to Women at Work here on Business Radio, SiriusXM 111. Have a happy Father's Day, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. 